The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen. It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 87, brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow my work at BleedingGreenNation.com. Follow me on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game. Mr. Eight-Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow his work at thedraftnetwork.com. Also follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, I think you got some news for us from since we last spoke on the podcast. What's going on in your world? How you doing, brother? Notice anything different about me? I really hope that sounds different. If it does, I'm going to be so upset. I was thinking <laughs> that I would just talk in a fake voice for the whole yeah. rest of our podcasting existence. Like, this is the new mic. Uh, I have a new mic, but I was just going to be like, hello, like, this is how I've always been, manhood, uh, like, you know, and no one, no, I would fool everyone. (laughs) But no, I got myself a new mic, which I wanted to get myself a new mic after the first time I ever recorded with my old mic, which was in like 2016. (laughs) Oh, wow. I've been doing this for a while. You also have some personal news, don't you? I mean, that's kind of what I was, I'm I'm, congratulations on the mic. Oh, wow. Now I feel awful because I'm going to say this and it's going to seem like it matters less then my mic's such a big strike. We were talking about the mic before the show. And so you were like, you have personal news. I was like, it's not really that personal. It's really professional news. But I just thought it was just a continued conversation about the mic. No, I can't say this now because it's awful. It's so mean. Okay. I, it, today is Friday. I got engaged a week ago. Mike, I did. I, um, I'm so very happy about that. That's the most important thing that's happened to me recently by a mile. <laughs> Oh no! I know. I'm a very. Does she listen? Does she listen to the show? <laughs> very lucky, happy man, uh, and and she is a kind, forgiving, and understanding woman who will take this in stride like the champion that she is. Oh, I suck tremendously. She she better be to be with you at this point. Oh goodness! Cancel your plans. Cancel your life it's okay. right now. She's ben. gonna be oh, so busy. She's gonna be so busy looking at venues and figuring out. 
cookie tables that uh, she'll just miss this completely. Now that she was a regular listener of the podcast anyway, she's a totally, like, you know, no sports family, totally sports agnostic, but she works in local news in Michigan. And obviously both Michigan and Michigan State are in the tournament. Actually, as of last night, Michigan's no longer in the tournament. Go Tech, guns up. Mm. And so she very proudly told me like last week, she was like, I know everything there is to know about basketball now. And I was like, do you really? And she was like, yes. And then she explained to me how tournament seating works and how, how the conference championships work and how you win the conference championship and then the seating goes and how they build the brackets and where the teams play. I said, I'm so glad you know everything about basketball. One quick question, what's a pick and roll? And there was no answer to that. <laughs> so it's questionable whether or not she knows everything there is to know about basketball. It seems that everything that was not on the 11 p.m. newscast, she doesn't know about basketball. But uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy and I appreciate you saying something, Michael. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so I want to congratulate you on that. It's It's been a while coming. I, I couldn't be happier for you. Uh, some other personal news for the Eagles. You don't know what personal news means. <laughs> Apparently you don't. Yeah, neither do I. But no one, no one on the podcast knows what personal news is. Okay, so professional news for the Eagles. Uh, they've got a new bay as well. Maybe not to the extent that Ben does. But look, the Eagles have traded for Jordan Howard. Of course, we had the BGN Radio reaction show to that. BGN Radio 43. Make sure you go back and listen to that one. So they covered a lot of things. So Jordan Howard from the Chicago Bears. The Eagles send a 2026th round pick that can become a 2025th round pick if certain card if certain wow. Pull it together, Tiger. This is a professional podcast. <laughs> Michael's got the gigglies. Show's gonna be <laughs> off the rails. So, look, it's likely tagged to playing time as far as that pick goes. If it goes from a sixth to a fifth, we'll know more on that soon, hopefully. Um, some notes on Howard. A fun fact, even. Over the past three years, Howard is second in 10-plus yard runs with 79 behind only Ezekiel Elliott with 95. In Pro Football Focus's elusiveness rating, here's where the bad news starts to come in. He was 14th in 2016, 48th in 2017, 59th in 2018. His breakaway percentage, which measures how much of his production comes on runs of over 15 yards or more, takes a similar dip. This is kind of what I was talking about on Twitter last night in terms of Howard. I really pounded the table for him coming out of Indiana. I loved his rookie season. I thought he was solid in his sophomore campaign. And then last year, he struggled. And in part, he struggled because the offensive line, which is important context, in 2018 for the Bears, ranked in the late 20s in just about every run-blocking category per football outsiders but he also struggled because he isn't really like a, a creator he's more of a reliable decision maker gets to his landmark makes the correct read gets vertical mm -hmm. doesn't really dance around in the backfield i like that aspect but after that it really all depends on how well the defense executes on the run fits and their fills but going back to the positive side of the coin pass protection a big bugaboo for the eagles backs last year howard had 83 pass blocking snaps only two pressures allowed. That's the least for any back with over 30 pass blocking snaps. So he was extremely capable in that area, which is a good thing for us. Ben, overall, when I saw the trade, I thought the value was right in terms of draft capital. The Bears were obviously very willing to move on from him and look at different options and increase Tariq Cohen's role. The Eagles are a good fit scheme-wise. Uh, to say I'm excited is a stretch. Yeah. I followed Howard very closely over the years and know what he's capable of, but there are clear limitations on film that keep me from throwing a parade. But overall, this is a solid addition to the backfield. Ben, how did you feel about the trade? Yeah, so obviously I had my impression of Howard. Eagles traded for him. Gone through a healthy portion of tape. I want to get one or two more games in, but I've seen enough to know that he's just, just Joe Jordan Howard. 
he's just Jordan Howard. Uh, and there's <laughs> there's not much on his film that's exciting. And that's not always bad. You know what I mean? Like like Jordan Howard regularly goes where he's supposed to go. So already Wendell Smallwood, goodbye forever. Right? Like, and that's like that's the nature of the Eagles running back room last year. That's big. You know, like Jordan Howard going where he's supposed to go means he is already equal on the level of like Corey Clement and Darren Sproles as runners before like we've even gotten to the line of scrimmage in terms of what you got often from Josh Adams, what you got from Wendell Smallwood. So there's that. Jordan Howard lacks elusive traits. He's not a high tackle breaker, despite the fact that he's big and powerful. He's much more likely to run through a guy and get four yards instead of three, three yards instead of two, than he is to power over a guy, keep his feet and keep going. And that's the thing is that Howard is a you know, a 6'1", 225 back who runs a little bit upright. And so his contact balance isn't, you know, what like, oh, he's 220 pounds. He can be taken down by safeties and corners decently regularly. He breaks some tackles from corners, absolutely. But safeties take him down with pretty uh, notable regularity. So Howard does not have a high degree of contact balance. So he finishes runs. He can put his nose down and drive a pile when, like, you know, uh, a defensive tackle is trying to make that half-arm tackle on him. Like, you're half-engaged with the lineman, half-tackling him. Howard can take him for a ride for two or three yards. And that's good. Like, that's objectively good. But that's the best you're going to see in terms of Howard getting more than what's blocked for him. I was ripping through Howard's 10-plus yard runs from this year. And really, you'd be hard-pressed to find a single one where Howard breaks any contact before he hits the third level. And so on all of Howard's explosive runs, it's because of the blocking before him. Now, again, doing a good job hitting the holes. He has some ability to press the line of scrimmage and to manipulate blockers as well. It's hit or miss, depending on the concept. He's good on vertical style stuff. Wide zone and traps were some of the best plays that I saw him run. And those are plays that Philadelphia is going to get from him. And when I say wide zone, specifically I'm talking about the ability to cut wide zone back upfield. Howard's not going to be following the wide zone track far outside the way a Jay Ajayi would. And that's an important thing to bring up. Howard may take the Ajayi role being the primary ball carrier, but I cannot emphasize this enough. Charlatans believe that Jay Ajayi and Jordan Howard are similar players. It's not, it's just not the case. Ajayi and Howard can run similar concepts and have some similar traits. But Ajayi's athleticism and ability to break tackles makes him a a remarkably different player than Jordan Howard. Number one, he's just more dynamic. He's a better runner. And when the ball's in his hands, he's more dangerous. He produces better. Number two, unlike Howard, Ajayi does some stupid stuff in the backfield sometimes because he has the athletic ability where he thinks he can get away with it versus Howard, who very much is just a stick-to-the-script player. And that's another part of the problem. Howard really struggles against penetration. When things blow up and his primary read is in trouble, Howard runs directly into contact a lot. Uh, You know, he's just kind of bulldoze, put your head down, get what you can get, and don't get upset, sort of a runner. So again, a lot of stuff there that isn't bad, it isn't wrong. Like, it's very hard to pull clips for the article I'm writing on him because so many of them are just (laughs) vanilla. But there's very little that he brings that that gets you excited. So you really, like, if if Jordan Howard's going to be a big part of the Eagles' offense, number one, you don't really want it to be a big part of the Eagles' offense. You know, this is a guy who was over 20 touches only four times during the season for Chicago. And honestly, I think that that you'd like to see that number get even lower. He was only over 15 touches seven times for for, for Chicago. I think 15 is likely you'd want to have his ceiling for the Eagles. You really want to see him spelled by Darren Sproles or a player of that caliber. You know what I mean? If Sproles, obviously, I don't know if he's still mulling retirement, if he's definitely back for next year, whatever it is, the situation with Sproles, you really want to see Howard spelled by a more dynamic option. And that space is absolutely there. I do not think that trading a 2026 that could become a fifth 
should lead anybody to believe that the Eagles are interested in Howard as a 20-plus touchback and primary ball carrier. You know what I mean? The only way right. that sixth becomes a fifth is if he does well enough to be worth a fifth anyway. You know what I mean? So, like, it's really a very low, low investment, and you should expect the Eagles to still be by committee and to still be looking for more dynamic options as receiving threats and as just runners because Howard might be a good thunder. He might be a good hammer. He's going to be helpful in goal line situations, but he is really not a runner that threatens the defense. And we're going to talk about somebody that could be his lightning to his thunder in a second here, but I wanted to touch on something that you said, looking for a different receiving threat. You know, I mentioned the pass pro, so you can leave him in in certain concepts and he can execute pass pro stuff and whatnot. You look at his receiving stats. I mean, this guy is nothing but a check down option and has always been that, including going back to his college days. Uh, Year one in the NFL, 29 receptions, 23 receptions after that, 20 receptions, never averaged more than 20 yards per game as a receiver in the NFL. So he's not going to give you much in that regard. Right. You might think off the film like, hey, you know, big dude, he can run, get a little steam behind him. Sounds like a great swing pass target. The lack of tackle breaking ability, baseline elusiveness or the ability to lower your pads and break a tackle just really hampers my excitement for Jordan Howard and puts a low, low cap on his ceiling. He doesn't break tackles. Yeah. Now, he did, he was a more successful tackle breaker in previous seasons. The, maybe, you know, the want to wasn't there under Nagy. He felt like Tariq Cohn was taking his job. Change of sceneries can obviously be better. And tackle breaking is a relatively sticky stat in terms of like yards created after contact, like generally is pretty predictive. But like obviously he can get better. And obviously a player of his power, you expect to break more tackles. I think he will break more tackles in 2019 than he did in 2018. But just his his lack of elusive traits is damning. Do we have anybody on the roster right now that you're looking at? Oh, interesting question, Michael. As a receiving threat. I would like to formally announce to the good people, <laughs> after I've spent a lot of time, Michael, a lot of tough, hard time talking with myself, talking with my loved ones, talking with my microphone <laughs> and my fiance in that order, apparently. <laughs> Speaking to professionals and looking inward, just taking time to reflect. And I'm pleased to announce that uh, I've moved on from Danelle Pumphrey. Ooh, and by I have moved on up. from Danelle Pumphrey, I mean to say the first time I see him catch a pass in training camp, I will be fully back on his train. But right now, <laughs> I moved on from Danelle Pumphrey because, Michael, I found love. I have found someone who treats me better, somebody who's more reliable, uh, somebody who I can trust to be there when the going gets tough, somebody who will not be hamstrung by the smallest of things. Boston Scott, baby. I'm in the Boston Scott tree. Let's go, Boston Scott. Wow, Boston Scott. I liked Boston Scott coming out of Louisiana Tech 2017. Uh, I like the fact that the Eagles added him. I like the fact that they immediately got returner looks out of him uh, when he was added to the roster, uh, stolen from the Saints practice squad at the end of 2018. Boston Scott is is a Darren Sproles mold of a player. He's a Tariq Cohen mold of a player. And obviously, you know, that's that's kind of the the how it's been spelled by Tariq Cohen player before. He, it was Tariq Cohen. So I think that Boston Scott has a very clear role here if Darren Sproles retires i do still believe that like a healthy pumphrey is a good player we we literally have never seen an nfl healthy Denell pumphrey now if his frame cannot handle 170 pounds well then you know screw it like you know he obviously can't play in the nfl i still think a healthy pumphrey is a good player i still think that pumphrey and scott both have avenues to this roster especially if sproles uh, doesn't come back but scott is the player that excites me in that he's not Denell Pumphrey, and it feels fresh and new. And that's the main reason. So Ben has found new love in multiple areas of his life. It's a great mic. What can I say? (laughs) All right. So before we go to break here, let's talk about another player that the Eagles have brought on 
to this roster recently. They, they've talked about it on BGN Radio. I think we've touched on it before as well. But Andrew Sandejo, the safety from the Minnesota Vikings, comes to the Eagles on a one-year, $1.3 million contract, filling the Corey Graham role, not the Chris Marigos role, I believe. That's very uh, a very important distinction to make because he's much better than Chris Marigos ever was, who is, you know, my feelings on, on Chris Marigos Shout out Chris Marigos. his alcohol spillage. Does that preclude the Eagles from taking a safety early now that the third safety rule is filled, even though, you know, the, the, they got two guys now starting to get up there in age in that safety room. They could be looking to add some youth and add some versatility, some guys that they've brought in. And we'll we'll start to talk about some of these official visits here. But official visit, Virginia safety, Juan Thornhill. Woo-hoo-hoo! Official visit, Maryland safety, Darnell Savage. Mm. My guy, I am really high on Savage. I love this man. And then the other official visit, of course, that we already talked about was Trotsky Gardner-Johnson. So that's all of them round one, round two guys. So they are looking at high value safeties. These are these are all guys that I value uh, within day two for sure. Thornhill, I think, is my lowest ranked out of them. And I would take oh, him at coward. 53, 57, no problem whatsoever. So, Ben, seeing as they're looking at these high value safeties and, and the Eagles, like with their official visits, you can't necessarily like connect the dots with them specifically. But it does for them matter. And I have to go back to my research in this and update this. But I know going into last year, this was the thing that the Eagles kind of have a little bit of a tell when it comes positionally as far as what they're looking at in terms of the volume of official visits that they bring in for a certain position. They seem to be keyed in on the top end of the draft of the safety position. Does bringing in Sandejo preclude them from taking a safety early in the 2019 NFL draft? Or are they doing what they're doing at a lot of different positions when they bring in LJ Fort and they bring in Howard now? Are they just creating options to where they have that optionality when they get to 25, when they get to 53, when they get to 57, that they can do whatever they want to do without being hamstrung by certain needs where they'll have to reach for a certain player. Yeah, man, this is like my 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 answer to your question was going to be, what did I say when they resigned Jason Peters and when they signed Malik Jackson and when they resigned Brandon Graham? You know what I mean? Like you want to have freedom in round one. You do not want to yep. be where the Texans are, which like if the Texans don't take a tackle, Deshaun Watson can actually sue them for like reckless endangerment, you know, like the Texans, you know, like, and that's like a joking example. The Texans honestly could go other directions. I'm sure they're considering it, but like everybody knows the Texans tackle sucks. Everybody knows they need tackles. This is a draft for tackles. It just like makes sense when you have the freedom, then you have the ability to move up and move down and still get impact players. You have the ability to take a guy who's falling. Uh, you know, or, or, or gamble on a riser, a developmental guy, because you know, you have your year one, starters your 2019 starters secured and that's huge i would still say that safety is the biggest need for the eagles i would say that safety offensive tackle running back are the three biggest needs edge linebacker are going to be the needs following interior defensive line i still am not with you on this whole interior offensive line train thing but different matter entirely i really want to talk about that by the way but go ahead yes which we will but the eagles could go for one of six positions at the top of the draft. You know what I mean? And I wouldn't be super shocked. And that's the way you want to be because it means if you have a top 15 grade on Chauncey and he's falling, well, then you can go up and get him knowing that you're not screwing yourself at offensive tackle because you have Jason Peters for at least one more year. Like That's the freedom that you have, which is sick. The, the other the, the player that kind of has become the titular target of this hypothetical freedom is Ed Oliver who, you know, Ed Oliver tested exactly as we expected him to and is now right. a top 10 lock when he wasn't before we knew he was super quick. Like, whoa. But 
Ed Oliver's a guy who, if he's falling, the Eagles will love him and will value him. I expect that from the team. So we'll see. I do believe that Jordan Howard eliminates round one running back. That I do believe. There was mm. a chance at round one running back. There are people in the building who would like to see round one running back. But with Howard, I don't think it happens. So I will say that. But Sendejo, first round safety. Listen, Sendejo costs $1.3 1. and can be cut and you only lose 500000 So you have paid 500000 to maybe not draft around one safety. That's honestly like a very fair exchange. Yeah, I mean, honestly, when it comes to Sendejo, if Sendejo is keeping you from drafting Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who is a round one grade and a, and a top 20 player for me, I think you're going about the process wrong. Right. The thing is, he's, he's not. There's no way he is. He's Andrew Sandejo. Exactly. So when we come back, I actually want to get into this interior offensive line discussion. Maybe oh, cool. we can talk about some official visits that the Eagles have brought in, continue to go on that train. That's next on the Kiston Solak Show, episode 87, I believe. Is that what I said? Brian episode Solak, 87. Baby. We'll call it that. Here on Bleeding Green Nation. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back here on the Kist and Solak Show, brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. Ben, so you do not get the short-term or long-term need at interior offensive line at all. So when I bring up people like Garrett Bradbury or I bring up someone like a Chris Lindstrom or a Drew Samia, who I recently mocked to the Eagles in the second round, who I absolutely love out of Oklahoma. He's a good player. You don't necessarily think, despite the talk that we had where you said – we could have six different positions in round one, wouldn't surprise you. And I think those options expand even more as you get into round two. What What is keeping you from drafting an interior offensive lineman in day one or day two, considering the fact that Brandon Brooks, coming back from his Achilles injury, Isaac Siamalu on one of the most tentative contracts that I've seen, where they're like, you're going to probably be the starter this year, and we have no clue what to do with you after that, but we will pay you if you're decent, and we're going to pay you a pretty low amount of money. Then also you have Steven Wisniewski moving on. Mm-hmm. Does the team like prior that much? Like, like what's, what's your thinking right. behind interior offensive line not being that much of a need? Yeah, I don't know. To me, I hear you with the Samalo deal in the sense of like, if he becomes a starter, it's super cheap. But I don't think you extended him to be your backup guard center that Wisniewski was when number one, he had significant snapping issues. And number two, he was your starting left guard. Like he was your starting left guard, played well to close out the year. Not great. Fifth out of fifth offensive lineman, but like Wisniewski was as well. It's just a really good offensive line and Samuel is just a part of it. And he's not like a huge liability that has developed over the past couple of years. And if, listen, if he's willing to take three years, 12 million and just chill through 2022, and be the starter at that number. Like to me, like even if Samalu like his development stops here, him at four million per is fine value to me. You know what I mean? Like, you know, the Eagles are gonna have to start saving money somewhere. That's a good example. So like Samalu gets extended right. and Kelsey gets extended. To me, you're not gonna extend those two players and then go high at interior offensive line. You can go late on interior offensive line. 
But to go with one of your first three picks, you're only three day one, day two picks, doesn't make much sense to me. I hear you with the Brandon Brooks injury, but if we're talking about, you know, drafting to replace players who are coming off of injury, you know, it could be Brandon Brooks, it could be Brandon McLeod, it could be Carson Wentz. And eventually you have to assume a guy's going to recover and then, you know, survive if you don't. And Brooks, huge body, tackle-like frame, incredible strength. That's where I think Pryor is successful. And I'm not sure if the team is super high on Pryor, but when you draft the guy with tackle guard versatility, and he also had a pretty decent preseason, you want him to stay rostered. Like, you want him to be on active game day roster. Philadelphia obviously didn't do that this year as they had with Snooski, but I think that Pryor takes that active roster spot. And so you have Mm. Big V, Pryor, and then question mark available as your eighth offensive lineman if you're going to be carrying eight on game day obviously with Samalu's ability to snap I put that in quotation marks if guard goes down you have prior if tackle goes down you have Vitae and if center goes down Kelsey you slide Samalu into center and prior moves into left guard so like the gestalt of the, the the unit makes sense I don't think making a high draft pick a guy that you're pretty much going to demand an active roster spot for at least a 53-man roster spot for makes a ton of sense with who they currently have are you against upgrading that position because i think we both feel the same way about siamalu that he's a replacement level starter if you wanted to upgrade that position and therefore accentuate your run game that way help protect your quarterback a little bit better as well yeah an official visit for the eagles and i'll frame it this way is boston college offensive lineman chris lindstrom And just looking at the analytics on Chris Lindstrom from the 2019 Sports Info Solutions Rookie Handbook, Boston College is a team that ran zone blocking concepts 64.3% of the time. Chris Lindstrom, blown block percentage, less than 1% on runs, 0.00% on passes. He's a guy I have a first-round grade on. I believe you do do as as well. Is there a major argument there that depending on the way the board falls, that they would rather wait? not take Lindstrom, and then maybe later on take a guy who was another official visit, Arkansas guard slash center. I think it's Hajalti Froholt, if I'm not mistaken. And I believe Daniel Jeremiah said that he's like your prototypical development type guy. Like you bring him in and you hope you get something like maybe three years down the line. Do you think that's more of a possibility? If Lindstrom's there, do they pass? And then do they look for a guy like Froholt like later on in the draft? Yelta. Yelta? Yelta. Yelta. It's like Norwegian or Danish or something. Do we know this to be true? Yeah. He was asked at the combine, but it's Yelta. Yelta for It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. I think it's gorgeous. I think it's, 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 it's moving. It's poetic. Yeah, like Yelta. I feel like he should be on top of a mountain somewhere on a <laughs> steading. Just like, woo, yodel. Yeah, I think like if, if you said, Ben, the Eagles drafted an interior offensive lineman in round two. Who was it and why? My guess would be Jason Kelsey replacement. So like, to me, that's like Garrett Bradbury. Eric McCoy, and then, like, I don't think Yelta is a a day two guy, like day three, whatever, right? So to me, it's like, all right, we have enjoyed an elite center. He's probably going to retire soon. We need to be ready for this. Now, the caveat there is, do they want Sayamalu to be the center? Because if so, that's where we start introducing left guards, and that's where we start introducing the long-term replacement of guard to move Sayamalu to center once Kelsey's play really tails off, once he retires, whatever it is. Which, like, I don't know that. And so, like, that's how I could see, like, that, like, extra step being added that make guards make sense. Lindstrom is interesting because Lindstrom did start for a year at tackle mm. at Boston College. He's a better guard at the next level, but he does have tackle experience. And you always like to see that in your players who are going to be depth pieces, the ability to fit in multiple spots. The most important thing to remember with all top 30 visits, and this is not directed at you, just in general. Yeah. You use a, a top 30 visit, and I don't want to say top 30 because Greg Gabe yelled at me for using top 30, but <laughs> you use one of your 30 visits. 
to bring in a player about whom you have questions and try to answer them. The Eagles, you know, Stoutland was on uh, location to work out Chris Lynch from Boston College. He was there for that pro day. Is that significant? Yes, but also Stoutland's only going to go to the pro days where offensive linemen are interesting, and Boston College is on the East Coast. So, like, if Stoutland had nothing else to do that week, it's really not that difficult. Right. You work him out, and then if you have medical questions from the background of his of his history, if you have questions about his personality, Lindstrom's like a super quiet friendly dude which some offensive line coaches aren't huge fans of because the eagles offensive line lane johnson jason peters brandon brooks jason kelsey they are not quiet dudes you know what i mean that's not really their way if you 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 bring in players on your 30 people visits to answer questions about them acknowledging that in three years when chris lindstrom is on the trade block you won't have the ability to ask him these questions and do these medical rechecks Mm. That you can do now. I mean, medical checks, sure, like to make sure the trade goes through. But you won't know. You won't have that access. And so anytime you have gaps on the eval, you want to bring in that player and somehow access them, whether it's at their pro day, in a top 30 visit, whatever it is. You want to access them to get that down the evaluation. Because in 2021, when they're free agents, and in 2022, when they're on the trade block, whatever it is, you want to have that completed scouting report. Your personnel department is going to use that. And, and all, along with your pro personnel department finishing the evaluation on what he has been at the NFL, that's going to matter. And so that, like you know, that is always important to remember with those those third thirty player visits. So again, like I can see it, it would have to be like a very clear replacement plan for Kelsey, in my opinion. It would surprise me. I don't think it's what they're going to do. So even if you don't think it's what they're going to do, and, and we'll, we'll kind of switch to to what you were saying, if Garrett Bradbury is there at twenty five, a player that I freaking love. I love the Grim Reacher. How could you right. not love Bradbury and his tape? I mean, that, who, was it Bryce who called him the Grim Reacher? Yeah, it was Daniel Jeremiah at the combine called him called him the Grim Reacher. Wow, DJ, DJ out here doing nicknames. I don't make comps. I hate comps for the most part. You know, we watch the Eagles all the time. We know what these players are like. I watch Bradbury. I see flashes of Kelsey. If we're going to replace Kelsey, why not do it with a guy that I'm getting serious flashes of Kelsey of when I watch his film? Would you would you be upset at all whatsoever? Even if, even if you don't think they're going to do it. Would you be extremely happy as I would if the Eagles drafted Garrett Bradbury? On the condition that like Jason Kelsey has been like, listen, I'm retiring next year. Right. Slash Jason Kelsey's been like, hey, like draft a replacement for me. It's fine. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't want to like catch Kelsey. Just like, like, no, I had no idea this was happening. I want to play here forever. Yeah. But no, like in terms of Bradbury being a Kelsey like player and being able to plug and play and, and, and also important for Bradbury. He needs a sort of system like Philadelphia's to be successful. Right. No, I mean, I'm all about it. I would I would love it, you know, as long as, like, like obviously it makes sense in the plan. I don't think it, it's, again, I don't think it's what they're going to do. But, yeah, I'd rock with that. Okay. If they get Bradbury, Lindstrom, or Eric McCoy, three players I have first-round grades on. Actually, I don't know if I have a first-round grade of Bradbury just because he's so scheme-dependent. But we have talked about that to where if you were doing it for a certain team, like the Rams, for instance, exactly. that runs a lot of zone, he would be a first-round guy for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so... It, like it, like for the Eagles specifically, if they get Bradbury, Lindstrom, or McCoy, I'll be happy because I think they got a good player at 25, and that's the name of the game. Then it's a matter of figuring out how the how he gets integrated into the roster and what the one year, three year plan is. So yeah. no, I'll be a happy camper. Listen, just not not Dexter Lawrence, and then yeah. honestly, it'll be fine. <laughs> not Jonathan Abram. Yeah, I don't think they'd say select Abram. If they select Abram, I'd be shocked. It doesn't make sense what they like. Not Abram or Dexter Lawrence, and I'll be a happy camper. I love that we are not on board with Dexter Lawrence or Jonathan Abram. Dexter Lawrence, your your big run stuffer. Everyone keeps mocking him to the Eagles in the first round, which is wild to me. I, I am nowhere near there Listen, on, on Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence, instead, I take Lawrence before a corner every day of the week. Yeah. Imagine, imagine, imagine 
mocking the Eagles a corner in round one. So many people do it. It's insane how many corners we have. We talked about that on the last show. It's 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 wild to me. And, and going back to, to Lawrence for a second, I mean, this, this is a guy that I did a summer evaluation on last summer and then didn't see development from him in, in any manner, in any facet of his game. I'd given him the benefit of the doubt of having that foot injury in his sophomore campaign. He had a better freshman season, but that's just based on production, not really on the film. I just haven't seen enough development from him. He's a bull rush only type of guy. Jonathan Abram is a linebacker to me. Put some weight on him, make him Dion Buchanan or something like that, because I mean he can carry routes vertically, but on in-breaking, outbreaking stuff, he's getting shook. I have some problems with him there. He's a little bit reckless as a tackler. I mean, you're asking a guy who's key to his game is aggressiveness, so aggressive that he ended a spring game by knocking out one of his teammates with just a vicious hit, and you're asking to tone that down and be a little more under control, I don't know if that's going to be a thing for him. I mean, I have a third-round grade on him. I think it's a late third, but there are a lot of different safeties that I like in that second-round grade, all of which the Eagles seem to be bringing on for official visits, so I'm totally down with that. Right. So would your ranking for the three safeties they brought in be Chauncey Garner-Johnson? Darnell Savage, Juan Thornhill, that'd be your order? Correct. Yeah, I'm Chauncey, and then Juan Thornhill, and then Darnell Savage. But round two safeties, baby. Oh, yeah. That's Pick a poison. Pick a poison. I love them all. Just give me one. All right. I'm there. Is, is Taylor Rapp one of them? Like, I love Taylor Rapp as a player for what Philadelphia needs. Right. I wouldn't like it too much yeah. just because he's super – he's got to be in the box, and Philadelphia needs a deep guy. But if we're talking about Juan Thornhill, Deontay Thompson, Darnell Savage – Amani Hooker. Mm-hmm. Hooker, t- Hooker surprised me with his testing. He, he checked some boxes. Heck yeah, brother. What the heck was that? <laughs> Listen, good. Good testing. Good film. Nice guy. Let's do it. I was watching his film, and, and my problem with Hooker was, like, I didn't know if he could, like, match Ross vertically and, and do all the in-breaking, out-breaking stuff and whatnot. But what you saw on film was just, like, a super smart player. And I like it, and we talk about this all the time. Give me smart defensive backs – He's a very smart defensive back, and then he tests through the roof, and he has great ball production, great ball skills. Give me that guy. Like, I'll, I'll take him all day. He checked all the things that I was concerned about with him as far as what boxes he need to check, checked them in the right. testing. I'm good to go on Hooker. It's like, right. It's not one-to-one, but like when – so when Desmond King came out of Iowa, we were all like, this is a really smart, instinctive corner. The problem is uh, I really think he's not a great athlete. And I think that he's going to potentially have to move to safety mm. or just be like a cover to corner. Like that's going to be the situation for Desmond King. And then King gets drafted by the Chargers. Obviously very helpful for his role is the fact that the Chargers use like seven defensive backs. Right. King came out and pretty much tested as we expected him to. I'm pretty sure he had, yeah, he had like a good three cone. And that's pretty much it. everything else was like average to below average. Yeah, he had decent explosion numbers too, which were, which were fine. He had a 34-inch vert. And a nine nine broad mm. at two hundred pounds, so like not great. Right. But imagine if you could have another whack at Desmond King. Just this time, he tested well. Yeah. Right. Again, like not one to one. I think King did stuff when the ball was in the air that Hooker can't do yet, and I don't think that I think that Hooker is a much more natural fit at safety, whereas King obviously has better man cover skills. But right. it goes back to like Iowa DBs, what they're asked to do in their defense, and then. Hooker just being able to test so much better than we thought he was going to be able to. So, yeah, I'm in on a money hooker. I gave money hooker to the Bears as an Adrian Amos replacement. That did not go over well. <laughs> so that tells me people have not watched hooker. I, I would agree with that. All right, Ben. I think that is going to do it for the Kiss 10 So Like Show number 87. Would you say goodbye to the gentle, gentle listeners? Everybody stop. On the Stick to Football podcast from Bleacher Report, uh, they had on Cody Ford, Oklahoma offensive tackle. Official visit for the Eagles, by the way. Hit the sound effect. Whoa! Matt Miller tweeted out, uh, we asked Cody Ford to play a word association game. 
they said Texas, and he says sucks, and Charles Amenahu, and he said average. And the mistake that was made here was not knowing that Charles Amenahu searches his name at least once an hour Ow! on the website twitter.com. So Charles Amenahu responded, can't be that average when I had two sacks, three TFLs, and three pressures against, quote, best OL, O-line in the country, end quote, in both games he played. Doesn't seem average to me, thinking emoji face, and one defensive line of the year. Second game had a stomach virus and still got to the QB. Don't play yourself, bruh. Prospect on prospect crime. I love it. I'm here for the slot at all times. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and you so know what? That's you. weird. That's really good context because when I watched that game where he was talking about the one with the stomach virus, I was like, what's going on with like, what's, what's, his? I was one of the first games I watched. And I'm like, his conditioning is just like bad in this game. Like, I don't know if it's because of the no huddle or, or what they were doing to him, but like he's not getting any kind of pressure. Omena, who I'm talking about here, and I just thought his yeah. conditioning was bad. And I watched more, and I and I and I saw better conditioning from him throughout games. But that's interesting context that you bring into there as an ancillary plus from hearing that little anecdote. But I am here for Cody Ford, who is a nasty dude fighting with Charles Omenahu, who is a name searcher on the Twitter.com. Very a noted name searcher. This is my first. This is my first ever like fake whisper with the new mic. I wonder how it's gonna sound. But between you and me, Cody Ford locked him up, and I'm on Team Ford. But that doesn't matter. I'm on Team Ford as well. Thank you as always for listening to the Kristen Solak Show. Yeah, on BGN Radio, we do appreciate you swinging by. Uh, this was episode 87. Talked a little bit about the free agent additions. Got off the rails in the draft. As per usual, we're less than a month out, though. So over the next few weeks of shows, not only will we be updating you on the official visits for the Philadelphia Eagles, but also be giving you some of our final rankings, some of our final predictions, and some of the final rumors that we are hearing as we go throughout the process. Pro days are wrapping up, and then it's all draft, baby. Uh, if you liked the show, please leave a five-star rating and review. If you are engaged to me, you probably didn't like the show, and we'll talk about that later. But if you did, leave a five-star rating and a review. Only five stars works. It's the only way you could possibly leave a rating and a review. Listen to BGN Radio, episode 44. Three. 43. I was close. Ah, <laughs> oh, the Darren Sproles episode, where they uh, they also talked about some of the recent news for the Philadelphia Eagles. Follow us all on Twitter. I'm on Twitter, at Benjamin Slug. That's S-O-L-E-K. He's on Twitter, at Michael That's K-I-S-T. We'll talk to you later this week. We all we got. all we need fly eagles fly if we get them in round two i'm gonna be i'm gonna be so happy if we get somebody in round two